For me, Spike Lee's 1996 film, Get on the Bus, is his most important film. I say his most important film because I think it does two things that are of enormous significance for his career and for his thinking. One, it is a moment of honest and I think quite thorough self-reckoning, where this, the film is about the trip of a group of men from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C., uh, going uh, traveling across the country to attend the Million Man March, uh, organized by Louis Farrakhan. And in that film, although it's about these particular men, I do think that Spike Lee is reckoning with his own shortcomings as a filmmaker, and in particular his own uh, oversteps and uh, critical, ethical, and political uh, shortcomings in his representations of men and women. And that for me is really important because as I've said in all the, nearly all of the pieces that preceded this one, I think that Spike Lee's overwhelming concern in his early cinema is with the formation of black masculinity. And so for him to take time in uh, 1996 to make an entire film about black masculinity and its problems and its need for repair is uh, really saying something. I think it's one of these moments where a filmmaker who's dedicated his career to a certain set of questions revisits the foundation of those questions critically in order to reevaluate himself and his own sensibilities and values. It's also the film that, for me, helped make sense of his early cinema in terms of its unity. Get on the Bus is a film that's that's uncomplicated in its theme. Uncomplicated meaning it is simply about one thing, about the meaning of black masculinity, black manhood, if we want to call it that, what it means to be black and male. And for me, it's not just that Spike Lee takes the time in the film to uh, ask that question and explore it. But also that for me, and this is for me, this is why I think it is his most important film, is it allowed me as a, as a reader of his cinema to reframe all that came before it. And that I think is actually quite rare in uh, cinema. A, that someone would subject themselves to such rigorous critique within a decade of their filmmaking career and also that that self-critique would allow us to see his cinematic development and exploration of common themes differently. I really do think that Get on the Bus helps bring those early films into focus, in, particularly, in particular School Days and Mo' Better Blues. Now, the film itself is not the most innovative in the sense that it does not have an aesthetic that sort of stands out as, as a new horizon for Spike Lee or for anyone. Um, it has a fairly conventional storytelling structure, right? It's individual stories, individual relationships, some conflict that surfaces values that have to be debated within the group. But it is also, I think, an aesthetically a really interesting film because Spike Lee gives himself a really difficult task, which is to make an entire film about men's relationships to themselves and to one another from inside a bus. So it's a cramped space visually that Spike Lee, with his, with his camera work, 
is able to really uh, deep make very deep and broad psychological and affective space. And so very much like the final thought I had on Crooklyn, where I think that Jaffa and Lee collaborate visually <clears throat> to create this um, near final scene of, uh, of Troy and her father in a cramped small bathroom, right? Where they connect emotionally, where the father comforts his daughter uh, over the loss of her mother. That, Spike, uh, that Jaffa and Lee are in that small space able to make an affective expansiveness that overflows that and I think tell a story about, um, about black girlhood. I think something is learned from that scene that carries over to get on the bus two years later. That the bus is a cramped space and that cramped space is not just a camera challenge, you know, not just a, a challenge that a filmmaker makes for himself but rather the, film, the camera being in such a cramped space is also part of the story that frames this exploration of black masculinity. A black masculinity, like the bus, is this enormously constrained space in which there seems to be no uh, easy way out or easy space for expansion, except that once one listens and pays attention, right? That is, in the film, we listen to the dialogue and get to know the characters, right? That inside this constrained or constricted space, be well beyond, or, you know, very different than you, one might expect from that, which is a kind of suffocation, not only of, of the body, but also of, of, of emotional and psychological possibility. Quite the opposite is the case that it's an expanded, expansive and uh, complicated emotional space. And Spike Lee, in really fantastic writing and uh, really great performances, too, is able to draw out all of those complexities in a very small space. And in that way, again, I think uh, works as a metaphor, right, or a sort of parallel spatialization of the emotional and psychological uh, structure and life of black men. Right. In a constrained space, there is complexity, difference, conflict, and need for uh, massive change, radical change, and self-transformation, not only in relation to self, but in relation to others across that diverse spectrum. I'll get into that diverse spectrum in a moment. The film also follows, in an interesting way for me, on two Spike Lee films that aren't such spikely films, right? Uh, Clockers in 1995, which came out the year after um, uh, Crooklyn and the year before Get on the Bus, is an adaptation of a Richard Price novel by the same title. Uh, it was a project that had gotten started with uh, Martin Scorsese as a director, but Spike Lee took over and rewrote the script. Um, and so it has a lot of Spike Lee marks on it, and certainly he gets performances and uh, out of people that I think Spike Lee always gets out of people, and um, also some familiar faces from Spike Lee films. But really, it's not Clockers, for all of its New York City-ism, is not really, for me, a, a typical Spike Lee film. It is a Spike Lee commercial film, and he does a great job with those, but it's very different than Get on the Bus. Get on the Bus has all the markers of a Spike Lee film. Written by him, um, this intense exploration of themes that he finds interesting, 
and that has in one way a broad appeal in the sense of anyone who's interested in the structure of life, right? Uh, but also a very particular kind of audience who he's addressing. And this makes for a really interesting question when you teach this, uh, if you teach it, which is asking the students, for whom is this film made? It's complicated, but I think, you know, like all Spike Lee films, he makes films for black people, and in this case, black men, and wants to know what it would mean to do that, to make films for black men. So it also follows on uh, this, or it comes out the same year as Girl Six, which was a critical and commercial uh, flop. Clockers was a commercial flop, but critically quite well received. But Girl Six is, is again, it's based on a Susan Laurie Parks play. Uh, adapted for the screen and uh, to my mind is I, I think is interesting in some ways but a kind of sloppy film um, and it feels a little bit more uh, like a regression in terms of, of of exploring really substantial themes and part of that I think is it's just not Spike Lee's writing and so so it's not particular Spike Lee film but it is a film that's based on a play that obviously he found interesting and Get on the Bus is an entirely different kind of project. Get on the Bus is a real Spike Lee project in the sense that you can't really separate the questions the director had, writer director Spike Lee has for the uh, for himself. We can't really distinguish the, uh, the questions he's been asking himself from the questions asked in the film. And what that the questions asked across the film, like what those questions are, are really very simple. And in some ways, I think a summary of most of what Lee's previous films had been about. That is, what does it mean to be a black man? And when Lee explores this, it's in a, a mode of self-critique. It's in the mode of self-reckoning, collective reckoning through self-reckoning rather than, say, defensive or prescriptive. It's a deeply ethical and political film in terms of the questions it raises. Right, It raises questions about you know, police. You know, What does it mean to be black and to be a police officer? What does it mean to be gay? What does it mean to be a Republican? What does it mean to uh, be married? What does it mean to be a womanizer? What does it mean to be old or to be young, right? And what does it mean to have an absent father? And what does it mean to be a father who was absent? And so in all of these questions, Spike Lee is asking questions about characters from his previous films. From moments of homophobic slurs where, you know, for many of us, we, you know, there was no way to know what Spike Lee's position was on that. Was he critical of those slurs or, was it uh, something that he found humorous or funny, right? He has to reckon with that, right? Uh, jokes about, you know, certain forms of, of masculine sexuality, right? In relation to women, uh, you know, he has to ask those questions. You know, what harm does that do? Is it just a portrait? Is it just funny or when it's played for humor? And I think most importantly, all of these questions of age, of region, of profession, right? What does it mean to be all of these things or any of these things and try to reconcile black and masculinity at the same time? 
What it means to look at what all of that means is to look at a series of broken structures, a series of people, uh, all of them in the film, who lack something, right? And what they lack is a full sense of self, that there's something about the way they've crafted their lives or had their lives crafted for them that needs repair and reckoning. The Million Man March was supposed to be that. Right? It was supposed to be this gathering in which these kinds of hard questions and difficult answers were interrogated in public for million, a million or more people, a million or more men. What's interesting, of course, about Get on the Bus is it's a film about the journey from Los Angeles to D.C. to attend the march, but they never get there. Or at least with the, when they get there, right, in the end, uh, they're, Jeremiah, they're, they're, well, I'll talk about him more in the next piece, but the elder on the bus, right? So a source of a certain kind of, of, of wisdom and insight, tragic wisdom and insight, not, not um, transcendent, right? But really tragic and difficult insights. He dies and that takes up their time that would have been spent at the march. But the whole point of the film really is that it's the desire to interrogate these questions of masculinity and masculine identity formation. It's the desire to answer, ask those questions that is the drama and the journey is the point of it all. To ask the question is already to be on the way towards some kind of reconciliation or healing or transformation. Now, I think if how we think about what happens on the bus, whether it's reconciliation, transformation, or just a shift, is probably a, a, a question or a characterization that tells us as much about ourselves and our own thoughts on masculinity and masculine identity formation, and particularly uh, black uh, masculine identity formation. It probably tells us more about ourselves, what we see in the film in terms of what is happening. But I do think that Spike Lee is trying to make an argument that a radical transformation is necessary. And I think a radical transformation is necessary in the film, like that's Spike Lee's position, whatever one's position is as a viewer aside, for uh, one basic reason, right? Um, well, two basic reasons. One, there is no ideal man in the film, right? Every man in the film has some deep problem that needs to be reckoned with and transformed um, and radically changed. And so that sense of like, I think that the, the, the absence of, a, of, a, of an ideal says something about everyone in there needs radical transformation, radical change, right? To be pulled up by the roots and uh, plant something new. But I also think the re uh, reason why, or my justification for why I think that's Spike Lee's position is what begins and ends the film. What begins and ends the film are images of enslavement, right? Chains, shackles. Those begin the film and they end the film where uh, the, the chain and cuffs that had um, cuffed the father and son together per a court order, um, uh, uh, 
you know, that put them together uh, for this trip, that they leave those chains at the very end and it closes the film at the feet of the Lincoln Memorial, right? Which is obviously a sort of over-the-top uh, expression, right? That, that what's at stake here is an emancipation from a certain kind of slavery. And it's slavery not only because the Lincoln Memorial and the chains and cuffs uh, that are left at the end of the film in a, you know, a scene that should, uh, in terms of date, would have been from 1995. And, but it, the, it, you couple that to the fact that the film begins with uh, shots of real historical chains and um, shackles. So this idea then for Lee of, of what black masculine identity formation has been and is right at the time of, of making the film, I think couldn't be put in starker terms in, in if we're thinking like, what exactly does he want this film to tell us? It's so clearly telling us it has to be this radical, radical change because he's put it in the starkest of terms, slavery and emancipation. And so what is that emancipation? What does it look like in Get on the Bus? Well, this is where, and you know, I, I, I hate to repeat myself so much, except that I, I think it's so important to understand Spike Lee this way, is we have to, again, understand him to be making cinema in the interrogative, that he's asking this question, you know, how do we imagine emancipation from constraining, violent, and... Um, uh, constraining violent and uh, demeaning forms of black masculinity. And I say demeaning because I think a lot of what goes on in the film is an attempt to show sort of typical man behavior as demeaning to them the, themselves, right? That the speaker himself is, is demeaned. And that all of these things are linked to slavery, right? That, that the idea that identity formation, masculine identity formation, is an enslaving principle, right? In terms of how it exists and how it is is performed. And he doesn't give us an answer about where that goes, what a, what the this different masculinity looks like or feels like. But what he's telling us is that we're shackled. Black men are shackled. That's a million man march. Black men are shackled to something about their masculinity, and it enslaves them. But what it means to be free, what it means to be emancipated from that, is like any kind of emancipation, including the emancipation from slavery in 1865. What came next did not make sense to anyone in the moment. It had to be created, right? It had to be something made for the first time. And so for me, what I think is happening in the film is rather than telling a story about how characters need to reconcile themselves to themselves or themselves to others, rather than reconcile, which would suggest that there was a sort of prior connection, right, that needs to be repaired, right, that needs to be brought back, like a friendship that's fallen apart but has can be put back together. That's reconciliation, a prior relationship to self and a prior relationship to others. 
rather than reconciliation, I think it's Spike Lee is moving us toward the model of conciliation, of making a relationship to self for black men and a relationship of black men to one another, making those relationships for the first time. That there's a shackling from the beginning to the present. That's the historical, right? The historical shackles and the you know, 19, mid-1990s shackles of the police, right? That there's shackles across this entire expanse of African-American history. And to drop them is to be left simply with the question, who and what are we? Who and what am I? And if the film ends with that, who and what am I? And I meaning the each character in the film, right? And for Lee making this film for other black men, you know, who and what am I as a black man watching this film, in this film, making this film? But also who are we? Who and what are we, right? Black men between one another and how that relationship of black men between one another opens up different horizons for relationships with women, right? And that sense of, you know, you change that relationship between men, you change the relationship between men and women is something that his films had previously explored in such detail. The way the, the culture of men's relationship to men, the fraternities being the, the perfect example of that, or even just the male friend group in school days, as well, the way men produce a certain kind of relationship to women as property, as something acquired, and through whom and on top of whom, on whose shoulders one builds a sense of masculinity, right? That is clearly uh, school days, it's clearly uh, Mo Better Blues, and it's in the, the, the corners of, of his other films as well, up until get on the bus and get on the bus is that moment of saying like look if men between men and between men and themselves are, are making this kind of identity that has an a, a, a acquisitive and proprietary relationship to women right like literally acquiring them as property through which you become yourself we have to completely rethink the way men relate to themselves and to one another not just for a different kind of masculine identity to emerge, one that's able to get beyond homophobia, begin the, get beyond the disposability of children, to get beyond kinds of, of, of what we would now call a, like a toxicity of men's relationships, relationships to one another, that primarily negotiated through violence and intimidation. Sure, it's about getting beyond all of those, but in getting beyond all of those, a different kind of man emerges. And when that different kind of man emerges, it's a different possible relationship to women. And I will say, as a sort of way of, of concluding this, there's a really interesting scene, um, I think it's in uh, Arkansas, maybe, where they pull over into a uh, rest stop. And they meet two women, right? Two college women. And the men sort of try to flirt with them and it's really awkward I, I just it's a scene that puzzled me the first few times i saw it because i was like why is this so terribly done right why why are these men so like awkward and and shitty you know despite the fact they had been different on the bus and what is this a is spike lee just not able to sort of film in this moment film flirtation 
But then, you know, it became clear to me, thinking more about it, that's exactly the point of the film, right? The point of the film is that these men have not been transformed, have not transformed themselves, and has, have not transformed their relationships to one another. And so their own interactions with women in, at this rest stop just become one and the same thing over again. This really sort of shitty, alienating, um, and kind of pathetic, honestly. It's, it's really filmed as pathetic kind of idea of what it means to be a man in relation to a woman. And so it's like the women arrive prematurely in the film. They arrive in order to remind us that this is not simply the beginning of a change, right? That is enough or sufficient for a transformed relationship between men and women, but rather the entire journey across the country, that movement from shackle to emancipation has to be achieved in order to just even ask the question, what different kinds of relationships are possible between men and women with a different kind of masculinity. With that different masculinity, what is the relationship between men and men? And ultimately, what does a different form of masculinity do to the relationship men have with themselves?